Welcome back to the No Clue Podcast, episode 149. We have returned. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Mike. I'm Tyler. Welcome. Here to recap the conference finals. Yes. Uh, East or West, where do you want to go first? We got to start with the Clippers first. <laughs> okay. Do you, first, first of all, do you consider this a collapse by the Clippers? Not at all. Okay. No, I mean, you know, you come into the series without Kawhi, uh, and, and Phoenix got healthy, like, over the course of the series. Right. So, uh, it's just, you know, could they have played better? Yeah, but, you know, we've talked about that countless times. Right. Yep. You want to start with Phoenix first? Uh, Yeah, we can start with Phoenix first. Tell me some things you liked from Phoenix, because, I mean, there was a lot. Phoenix has, I'll say Phoenix has probably been the most consistent team throughout these playoffs. And that's not like, not just for how long they've played. I mean, even first two rounds, I don't think any team was more consistent than the um, than Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, Aiton, I, I love Aiton, man. Aiton is like all of a sudden my top five favorite big men in the league. I know. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, he, he's he's all over the court. Uh, he's blocking shots. He's getting rebounds. And he, he very rarely, and when I say very rarely, this is still a lot less than any other center that I've seen this season. He, he doesn't let guys... Uh, he, he doesn't let guys win possessions that they shouldn't win on him. Yes. And, and that's one thing I think every center in the league has an issue with, some more than others. I think we talked about Anthony Davis having this issue big time. You know, we talked about even not centers, but forwards like Siakam, um, you know, guys like that, Embiid, obviously having moments where they let these guys who are clearly not better than them just dominate them on yes. certain possessions. Nothing is easy on Aiton, on offense or defense. So, uh, yeah. he was big. I, I like that they continue to work uh, to get Booker shots, which is another thing we've said about every team in the playoffs. They don't do a good job of for their shooters, for their scorers. I think they get Booker very, you know, makeable shots just through offense. Booker doesn't even have to take a lot of dribbles to get them. Yeah, and he often like when he moves to get open, like you said, it's you could see the development of like a quality shot. Yeah, and they have learned. You know, we, I talked about you uh, this off air, but Monty Williams has learned every series. Like he looked really bad playing point guard. We haven't seen him even try to play point guard in, since Denver. 
Right. And it, it, it just works so well for them. Yep, yep. More to your Aiden point, man, his pick-and-roll defense, and mm-hmm. it's kind of a necessity to be able to contain pick-and-rolls with your big. Yeah. Because that's like 90% of what teams run. Yeah. Uh, and Aiden did such a good job pretty much every game. Yeah. Even the games they lost, I mean, he was there, he was helping, but he wasn't just letting like his man get open. He had active yeah. hands. He didn't just hack. It, you know, I, I watched a lot of bigs look clueless guarding pick and rolls over the course of the playoffs. Yeah. And to see a guy who's in his second, third year. Mm-hmm. Is he se- I think he's second year. Third, third, I think. Third year. Okay. Third yeah. year. He's already, he looks like a vet playing defense. Yeah. And that that was what impressed me the most because I I was already you know really impressed from the first two rounds, but that that just really I didn't I didn't expect that much from him. Yeah, me me either. And you know one reason why the pick and rolls, uh, big men being able to contain pick and rolls is such a big deal now is because pick and rolls are like six feet further away than they yes, used to be. Exactly. Like they're outside of the three point line now, and for. To give a really good guard a downhill from there is tough, and I, guards are going to hit that shot now. Yeah. And and um, Aiton was there. I mean, he looked like a guard just picking up somebody for exactly. as long as he needed to. Yeah, he yeah. closed out airspace and he kept guys in front of him. Yep, and in getting foul trouble really. I yeah, and I'm game. watching it like there's so many bigs that I would assume are better that couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Bam couldn't do that. You yeah. know, we'll talk about the Eastern Conference. There's a center there who couldn't do that. Right. So I, I just, I was really impressed, man. Yeah. Yep. I am too. Yeah. And they He's even been learned. the biggest highlight for me. Yeah. More to Monty Williams. He learned that one game, the first game they lost. Remember we talked about they didn't really feed Aiton, which was kind of weird. Yeah. Next game, first quarter, they're getting Aiton shots constantly. Yep, and that that's what I want to see out of a coach. When when you lose or, or do something poorly, you learn from it and it gets better. And Phoenix did that this entire series. Yep, yep, yeah, definitely. Okay, uh, uh, let's. What did what did you like about the Clippers? Even though they lost, what did you like about it? Um, their depth is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, this it was kind of. Like, they were on the verge of proving that against Utah. But I thought Ty Lue never really committed to, to playing certain guys. Mm-hmm. Like Cousins, like Kennard. Yeah. And, and even, like, Pat Bev. Yep. In this conference finals, we and saw then, that this team, this team shouldn't be losing games when guys go out. Right. Like, in the regular season, when, when guys miss time, they have more than enough to fill in spots. Absolutely. I mean, Batum yep. proved that he's a, a rotation player. Yep. Obviously, Terrence Mann proved a lot. All, yep. all their guys, all their role players, maybe maybe not impressed me, but they showed me that they belong on the floor. Yeah. Even Zubac, and, who we've criticized for years. Yeah. I, I think one thing that really helped Zubac is he didn't have to be on the court for too long any game which was nice he didn't have to give you 48 minutes like 
they were kind of forcing him to be at times, given 40-plus minutes, he can give you a good 28, 30. Yeah. And, and you got you have Cousins, you have Batum who can, you know, come in at the five spot. I mean, I personally don't like Batum at the five spot, but I see when he does it, it works sometimes because he's so strong. They got Morris, who's really strong, who can guard bigs a lot of times. It works. And, yeah. I mean, crazy thing is they did all this with basically benching Rondo. And, I mean, Patrick Patterson has given good minutes to the Clippers the last few years. And yeah. he didn't play at all. No, and, and Rondo's benching was a good move. It was, yeah. Uh, and Ty Lue, like, Ty Lue did make a number of good decisions, even in this series. Yeah. Which was, you know, we'll talk about the negatives in a little bit, but... Again, Tyloo showed me a little more willingness to adapt to like what's going well, what's not going well. Mm-hmm. Where I didn't see that from Doc last year, right? And Doc, you know, we talked about it with Philly. Doc just seems like like he believes the team is good enough, so like changes don't need to be made, right? And that's never the case, right? Uh, and Tyloo, Tyloo impressed me in a lot of ways. I think so too. Me too. Uh, okay. What else? Anything else? Uh, as far as the Clippers, I, all year ball movement was top tier. Mm-hmm. And and that's why they could get by, like you said. Batum at the five sounds bad. Right. But the way they move the ball and get good shots. Yeah. Uh, they could get by playing really small. Yeah. And it should now they they got away with it more because Gobert honestly isn't as good as Aiton. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, they could get by missing guys or adapting their roster even with certain limitations. Yep. Yep. And the last, I guess the last thing I would say is, I mean, Reggie Jackson, Jesus, was incredible. Yeah, he was. He I, was I mean, the MVP God. of the whole playoffs for me. <laughs> I, I'm not mad at that. So far, he I mean, he played great every game. It felt like every game, every game, like when they every shot he hit felt like a dagger. <laughs> yeah, it did. It was so like the the difficulty was crazy. He would ISO on top tier defenders and make yeah. them look bad. Uh-huh. I was just shocked because we haven't seen Reggie play high level basketball since he saved Durant's career in OKC. Right. Maybe his early couple years in Detroit, but man, uh-huh. that that was that was a shock that it was sustained literally for three rounds. And even though they lost, he never really cooled off. Right. Yeah. That was crazy. Okay, so uh, I'll start, and I agree with everything you said. I have nothing else to add to any of that. Um, I'll start with the negatives for the Clippers. Uh. As good as Ty Lu was in the adjustments, he had his hard time sticking to them still. Yes. And I think Ty Lu has an issue with being able to give direction to guys that need direction. Like, this is just something I've noticed. Like, how many coaches have you played for in your lifetime? Uh, six or seven, something like that. Okay. Now, some coaches were like, there were some coaches who were like, yeah, we're at this level of basketball. Everyone knows how to play. 
here's the play. You guys go out there and just do it. And then there's the coaches who are like, all right, I need you to do this exactly. Yes. You do this when this happens. Some some guys micromanage a little too much, right? I think Ty Lu is at the point where he thinks that he can just throw guys on the court and say, this is what we're doing, and then yeah. them just go do it. Because I see... I haven't seen Kennard look like he knows what's going on on the court ever when he gets in the game. Yeah. Even he, when he plays well. Yeah, he shot the ball really well, but he, he often looked like he didn't belong out there. Yeah. And even when weird, he weird because he's shooting the ball really well. Right, and he's shooting the ball really well, but yet he doesn't know where to get his shots from. And, and they have no, like, no offense that creates a shot for him to even creates an open opportunity for him so that was kind of weird to me and not just and Kennard's not the only one most of the guys I think man was mostly like that for this whole season yeah. even even um the playoffs but you know but when Kawhi when Kawhi first went down like maybe it was more to like how they were attacking Gobert but I could see the goal of like why Terrence Mann is out there mm-hmm this Suns series, it's like he was out there to be a defensive stopper. And, and right. I don't know if he's quite ready for, like, wings and bigger guards to, to guard them consistently. Right. And on offense, he was, like, they never really got him, like, cons- like good looks, you know, like, very often. Right. And I think, and that's the main reason why he doesn't have big games all the time. Yeah. Because he, he doesn't get looks that much and he he knows how to play so I think he does go out there and say alright I don't get a lot of minutes I'm going to go out here and I'm going to lock down so this is what this can keep me on the floor right but I don't think Ty Lu does anything to keep him on the floor that's the that's the problem yeah I think a lot of the stuff that you just mentioned a man I think that's just instinct from a guy who doesn't get a lot of minutes yeah and he uh, wants so- to like he wants to help more Right. He's a competitive guy, so he, like even when he's not really being used in any way, he can mm-hmm. still be out there and help out. Yeah. And yep. he showed that. Yep. And then uh, lastly, Cousins is a, another one. He went out there and showed that he still has all the talent he's had. He just doesn't have the physical strength like he used to or the yeah. speed. But he comes out there and like first, first time he catches the ball, he gets a tough layup, but and one. He gets a um, pick and pop three, and then all those shots look like he was just playing pickup ball. Like, like everyone on the team knows he yeah. can do all that, but it didn't look like he was in there to do that. It looked like, oh, I, I'm out here. Oh, I got the ball. They're oh, they're backing off of me. I'm taking this. It wasn't like a pick and pop play. So yeah, um, I, that was long winded. I apologize for that, but. I, that was my biggest uh, takeaway negatively for them because I think that had he had more of a game plan for each player, I think they could have they could probably put up 120 points every night easily. Yeah, and, and I think Kawhi Kawhi not being there like helped and hurt in some ways mm-hmm. because guys had to step up and they did as players. But Ty Lue had a, a tough time putting it together. Yeah. All like consistently. And I think Kawhi, when he's playing, 
also, for better or worse, he kind of locks guys into certain roles that they're supposed to be playing. Yeah. And I think, again, it's just it's tough to analyze them without Kawhi. Mm-hmm. But they did show me enough positives to where I could see them being successful without him. Yeah, I mean, and we talked about this literally all season. They move the ball a lot quicker when he does when he's not there. Yeah, a lot of more a lot more people touch the ball per possession when he's not there. And that was apparent every game that Kawhi missed since he got yep. hurt. Absolutely, absolutely, and and that's that's probably the best way the Clippers play when everyone can touch it. Because everyone, pretty much everyone on the roster is a threat. Yeah. So. Another point I'll make about Ty Lue, like I I really liked his kind of team adjustments and player adjustments a lot of the time. Yeah. What I really didn't like is the, like the, the designed plays to get good shots. Okay. While we talked about with Phoenix, we love how they get Devin Booker good shots. Yes. Yeah. There was a lot of moments where Ty Lue would come out of a timeout and, and honestly run nonsense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, I know what you mean now. Yeah. yeah. And, and there was times when, like, clearly they want PG to get off because they need that, obviously. Yeah. But, it, like, choosing to post him up is bizarre. Yeah. And choosing to, like... Every other star player, we probably talked about this last week, gets high pick and rolls even before they get going. Yeah. Paul George has to get going first before he gets pick and rolls? Yep. Like, that that, that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And, and you're willing to post up Morris multiple times in a row, but, but getting Paul George a good shot is like a challenge? Yeah. And it, he, for some reason, was like rolling with the Paul George switching to like another really good defender. Like he'd get a Jay Crowder switch onto Paul George and say, "Okay, that's what we're going with." Yes. Instead of, you know, at least trying to get him on Booker or CP, he'd have like Bridges, Cameron Johnson, or Jay Crowder. Like that would be the switch. That's not what we want. Yeah, and, and CP yeah. did a really good job of this in the second half of the series. He didn't attack guys who are, like, good defenders. Like, he didn't really attack Pat Bev in ISOs. Right. But Zubac? Oh, nobody else is touching the ball. I got this. Yeah. And that's what, like, I blame Ty Lue more than Paul George for, because Paul George does deserve some blame for it. Mm-hmm. But Ty Lue never really, like, got him mismatches. He never really uh, made him move without the ball. And that's, right. like... That's a lot of ways that Paul George thrives. Yeah. A lot of times it definitely did look like he just said, all right, PG, you catch it top of the key and go to work. And that's it. Like, again, it goes back to he acts like they just know how to play basketball, so just go go out there and play. Yes. Because I still, I still have no idea why Marcus Morris Sr. was taking every corner three he touched. Every time. I couldn't and tell was, Worse than P.J. Tucker. He was just jacking every single time in the corner. And he hit one every once in a while, but it it, it looked really bad. It was bad. And that was, uh, as the series progressed, guys got, like, too much confidence that maybe they shouldn't have. 
And I thought it was weird Morris had that much confidence because he really only had one good game the whole series. Yeah, he was so bad, and then they just force-fed him post-ups, and he just couldn't miss all of a sudden. Yeah. But the rhythm was completely thrown off because Morris is just killing the ball movement. Yep, exactly. And now Terrence Mann has no rhythm because he gets a shot once a quarter. Yep. So I in Pat Bev is taking really tough shots late in the series and he's making them. But again, yeah. like when you're moving the ball from start to finish, you're getting open shots, not contested ones. And, and one thing most people don't understand about the corner three, yeah, it's just like special. It's a special spot. It's the shortest three. But the reason why there's corner specialists is because it's one of the hardest threes, hardest three pointers to rebound. Because yes. it can, it can either be long or short, and it can really only go one way. And the defense is there, is closest to the basket. So it's not like a good rebounder. Good rebounders have the hardest time rebounding corner threes. That's why only a select few of people we deem the corner specialists, right? The PJ Tucker's, Shane Battiers, Jason Terry, those guys. Yeah, were I, corner I honestly, I honestly think. The, that position, like the corner specialist role, yeah, is kind of like like pat in the past. It, it is pretty, and it's much, it's yeah. crazy because teams need corner specialists now probably more than they ever have. Right, and that's one and reason why. That's one reason why Clay is so special in the league, such an amazing shooter, is because he's, I mean, by far the best corner three point shooter in the league. Yeah. And it's uh, there's no one else really like that. Yeah. And PJ Tucker, like we said, we he tries, but his he's the closest his is way to low. it. But yeah, he doesn't make enough for me to like rely on him and consider him a true corner specialist. Right. Exactly. There used to be guys who couldn't shoot from anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, Keith Bogans always comes to mind because he couldn't <laughs> hit a shot in any other spot of the floor. Yeah, but in the corners yep. it was like water. Yeah, in, in and the, it, yeah. It, go ahead. Really, Jason Terry wasn't that great of a shooter anywhere else. I mean, he, he was like a streaky shooter everywhere else. But in that corner, it was money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also with long rebounds from corner shots, often end up as fast breaks the other way. Exactly. And that to me, like like you said, it's it's a very it's a high pressure shot to like rely on. And Morris was letting him fly all game, and I just could not. I I didn't get it. I don't know why. This is the last negative thing about Lou. Lou doesn't stop any of the nonsense the team does. That's one. Re, that's one thing that really annoyed me. Cause like after the third Morris miss from the corner, he'd be done sh- shooting them from the corner for me for the rest of the night. Or. I'm with you. He would just let stuff keep going, and like I said, just look like, yo, just go play basketball. But yeah, and it's it's funny because Reggie Jackson, if Reggie Jackson wasn't as hot as he was, mm-hmm. we probably would have been a lot more critical of this. Yeah, because this right. honestly, again, if Reggie didn't stay hot, they probably don't come out of the Utah series. Yeah, uh, and so, that, that just play ball is his game. Right, Reggie it thrives off game. that. Yeah, yeah, because he's really not a good set play player. Yeah, I hated every time they ran like pick and rolls for him. I hated it. 
Yeah, he's just a just give me the ball and I, I got this. I'll figure something out. Yeah. All right. Um. So before we move on, I got to talk about Paul George. Oh yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people are kind of have like restored their faith in him. Supposedly. It's definitely a mixed. It's a mixed. Uh, Mixed review kind of thing. Yes. That's a great way to put it. Because, again, he proved to me that he could carry this team. Uh-huh. I thought the Dallas series kind of made it clear that Kawhi is the main guy. Yeah. But then he goes down and he steps up. I wish he would have played a little bit better more often. Yeah. But he stepped up and showed me that, like, he could get off while getting everybody involved. And one one thing about the, you know, I wish he played better more often too. It, it sounds like I'm really just dogging Ty Lue, but <laughs> it looked like Ty Lue didn't know he could carry the team. To me, on the surface, yeah, I agree. Because it, it looked like when Paul George did start carrying the team, Ty Lue was like, "Oh, like Paul can do this." Like it, it looked like it was one of those revelations where he was like, "Wow, maybe Paul can carry us." Yeah. So then the game plan completely did, like, change to where it's just Paul at later on into the, obviously later on to, into the next round after the Utah series. Yeah, but, but go ahead. My my, the fear I have with him, uh, is that he's not a carry the team guy. Even though mm-hmm. he showed that he could do it, <clears throat> yeah. the way he's very dependent, I've talked about this in the past, he's very dependent on rhythm to pl- like shoot the ball well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, and this is where I blame him way more than Ty Lue, when you do get mismatches, you often take really tough shots. Right. I mean, I could go down, even CP, who's six feet tall, when he has mismatches, gets great shots. Yeah. I mean, every every great scorer in the league, when they get, like, a guy who can't guard them, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, even, you know, all, all the star scorers. Yeah. They yeah. get quality shots with their mismatches. Durant all the time. Durant doesn't really matter, the defender, but... Right. Mm-hmm. Paul George, throughout the course of the series, he would heat up. And he would cool off, but it's all difficult shots. Yeah. <clears throat> and even when they put him in favorable positions, which Ty Lue, as we said, should have done way more. Yeah. He would settle for like a really tough step back or, yeah. or drive into traffic, like f- trying to force contact. Yeah. And, and the other problem I have is, okay, maybe you're not taking as great of quality shots as I would like. But then when you cool off, you just disappear. Yeah. I mean, Kawhi Leonard will shoot you out of the game no problem. Mm-hmm. Kawhi, Kawhi doesn't disappear when he's off. He just no, plays he awful. Right. Paul George, like, rather than playing awful, especially late in the series, would just disappear. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, I, I hate that out of, like, go-to guys. Yeah, it, it, that's that's rough because we say the same thing about Jimmy Butler, right? Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was frustrating because there were so many opportunities for Paul to take over, and he's 
like just missing, 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 and it's like he's fine with it. Right. He's fine with missing, and he never works to get better shots. And on top of that, it's almost like like he doesn't notice that he's missing. Mm-hmm. Like Paul, you're you're like zero for five from three. Like, can we get a layup or a mid range? Right. So his his that, shot selection in that sense is really bad, in my opinion. Yes, it's really bad. It just I didn't like his feel for the game in a lot of these games. Well, <laughs> this goes back to something we've said about the Clippers all season long. They have they still have no IQ on the team, and that's including Paul George. And <laughs> the few Paul George's best seasons in the in all of the NBA was when he had good point guards. Every season, at all his best seasons, he's had a good point guard, and that, that includes Westbrook. And that I mean, and George Hill wasn't like. A great point guard, but High when it IQ. comes to feel for the game, yes, feel for the game and IQ, that's his specialty. And for some reason, Rondo has thrown his IQ just like, like he's, it's aged away for some reason from him. Yeah, I don't know how that happens, but we're we're <laughs> looking at it. Yeah, you notice it all playoffs, but no one else on this team has that, and. I'm not taking blame away from Paul George because he's been in the league long enough that he should have at least someone's IQ should have rubbed off on him a little bit. But it was apparent that PG didn't have someone to say, someone to take the ball from him at any moment of the game. Yes. And that's one thing that Westbrook did for him. For better or for worse, Westbrook would just say, "All right, I got this. We need to go faster or slower." And Paul George would just run with him. Yep. So when when people say Paul George is more of a Robin, it's not necessarily a Robin to like someone better than him. It's just a Robin to someone with the Batman IQ to me. Yeah. And, and uh, I, but. Long story short, I completely agree. It was really annoying, especially when he would get a big man, he'd take a tough three, or he'd still try to shoot in their face for some reason. And sometimes he got the foul, but a lot of times it was a turnover or just a bad shot. And I don't know why he doesn't take care of the ball. My thing is, like, he would challenge Aiton in the dumbest ways. Yeah, like Aiden. The first two games, Aiden showed like, "Yo, you're not. I'm not a mismatch." Right. And, and he would just tr- like try to go through him like he's stronger. Like yeah. Paul, what what are we doing? Yeah. Again, the feel the feel for like the the kinds of shots you should get what just wasn't there. It wasn't at all. And I and I was expecting it to show up after that game five. I'm like, all right, this is this is what I want to see. Mm-hmm. You heated up playing off the team, then you took over. Yep. And then and then close out game, you're nowhere to be found. No. Dude, he looked he, he looked a little bit tired, but nah, he shouldn't nah. have been as yeah, tired. Yeah, that's as, not I never give that excuse to guys. No, no, he wasn't I didn't mean it like that. I'm just saying he the way he was playing, he looked like he was just tired. And that's not 
I mean, yeah, but he like be tired. The thing is, LeBron can get a pass because LeBron carries everything the team does. Yeah, Paul had plenty of help throughout these games without Kawhi. Yeah, he did. So it was never like you know Paul George had to put the backpack on and carry everybody. Right. And again, you don't have to do that, and you still struggle to find a way to do it. Yep. So in that game six, I mean, he made Tory Craig look like Casey Jones or, or Ron Artest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was insane. Yeah, he did. Like, dude, Tory Craig—he could not get past Tory Craig to save his life, and and that kind of reminds me that Tory Craig was there last year too when they blew the lead. So oh, maybe yeah. maybe yeah, Tory Craig had a little more to do with them playing trash than I thought. Tory Craig is the PG stopper. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like it. The NBA champ. <laughs> right. That sec. That second half of the game six, I, I was I was watching and I'm like, yo. Paul, like you're you're really not you can't attack this guy. Right. It's the same way LeBron used to like kind of duck Kawhi in ISOs. Yeah. This is the same thing. I'm like, yo, you know, maybe attack it let's attack anybody but Jay Crowder and Tory Craig. Right. I mean, Cam Johnson should be the weak link. Bridges should be the weak link because he's you know, they're thinner and smaller. Mm-hmm. And you're attacking and the really strong- not laterally quick. Right. And you're attacking the strongest, most experienced wings on the team. Right. And it looked, that last game, it just looked awful. It did. It did. Marcus Morris shot 11 threes in the last game. Again, that's Paul George. That that needs to be you. Yeah. Paul was no, one for six. One for Paul had no problem going like one for eight, one for nine in the other games. Yeah, but the last game he he doesn't want to have a bad shooting percentage. But then <laughs> he wants to two for seven, and Morris was four for eleven. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean they they lived and died by their shooting more in this series. Mm-hmm. But they were due to cool off, like. You know, they you were. can't stay hot for the entirety of the playoffs. Right. And this is the struggle for me is I don't know how, like, elite they really are because they shot the ball so well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, I, I see a lot of positives where I, I think they could be contenders with or without Kawhi, no problem. Mm-hmm. But again, if Reggie cools off, do we do – we, see them get as far as they get. I, I don't know. Probably not. Uh, yeah, man. I, you know, another one, uh, I don't know why they didn't exploit any mismatches with uh, Boogie Cousins either. Like, they only gave it to Boogie when he had a center guarding him and, like, expected him to just yeah get in his bag. That's 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 another thing that bothered me because Paul George was allowed to miss all night, but Boogie yeah. would miss twice and he can't get shots ever again. Yeah. Like, what? And, <laughs> that and doesn't make is, sense. And the thing is, they they didn't. It was one of those games where he just was not gonna get a lot of rebounds because of Aiden, because of how the Clippers spread the floor, because of how Phoenix spreads the floor. He's just not going to get a lot of rebounds, so he needs some paint touches. 
And Cousins is a good passer. Yeah. Obviously, we know he's a great shooter from anywhere on the court. And I I didn't really get they get the mismatch with like Reggie Jackson with like Aiton on Reggie Jackson, but they never look at when uh, Cameron Payne was guarding Boogie in the paint. Yes. You know. Yeah. And it it a little bit of credit to Sarich because uh, you would assume that Boogie could eat on him all day every day. Yeah, Sarge. And Sarge battled. He wasn't having it. Yeah, yeah, Sarge was battling, and every time Boogie wasn't out there, Sarge looked like the strongest player in this series. Yeah. Which yeah. was just crazy. And he was hitting shots, he was defending. So, you know, a, a lot of the, the Phoenix role guys stepped up, like, exactly when the team needed them. Yep. And, uh, all right, this is the. <laughs> I promise this is the last thing I'm going to say about Ty Lu. Uh, he, um, he had, he gets in the habit of really playing, like trying to match the other team's game a lot of times, like instead of, um, trying to think of an example, like, uh, the Warriors, like Steve Kerr, it doesn't matter who you put out there. We're going with Iguodala and, you know, Harrison Barnes as our four and five. And, like, he makes the other team adjust to that. Yep. You know? Um, I think Ty Lu is always trying to adjust to what the other team is doing, even if that means he doesn't have, like, a good five out there on the floor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It, um, again, that, it's just committing to a play style. Yeah, he, he doesn't. He doesn't commit. Like, he'd have – they would have Aiton out there with um, – with Saric and, you know, maybe Crowder at the three or two. And then he would, like, he would be forced to put Morris in at, like, the four and Terrence Mann kind of playing, like, a weird four. Yeah. Morris in at the five with Mann at the four. And, like, I, it just it didn't match. It, it no. wasn't a good five to have on, on the court. So, uh. And, and I think having a, a more consistent play style because mm-hmm. I, I don't think they need to, like, be in a single play style full-time. Because they have versatility with a lot of their guys. Absolutely, yeah. But having a, a go-to play style would help would help take the pressure off of these guys who, like we talked about, didn't fit. Like, Kennard would fit better if he knows how we're playing. Yeah. Terrence Mann would fit more often if he knew how we were playing. Yeah. And like you said, just Ty Lue was... Just never really committed to anything. No, he didn't. Nope. Okay. Uh, so, Phoenix has made the finals. Yes, Tory Craig is a champion, finals. like you said. Tory Craig is an NBA champion. Congratulations, and CP, to man. Tory Craig. Shout out to CP because he was incredible that last game. Absolutely incredible. I mean, I literally told you at the start of the game, I'm like, yo, CP's going to have to shoot well for them to win tonight. And you, it was a complete understatement. And he didn't even miss after that, it felt like. Yeah. He had like 16 in a row at one point, didn't he? Yeah. Or 18 he, in a row? Yeah, he was just working. He was. Yeah. Um, okay, I don't have anything else about this one. CP looks great. Booker looks pretty good. I didn't like how Booker played in the last game, but he looks good overall. Jay Crowder is... Jay Crowder is one of the most valuable players in the league, man. Back-to-back finals, it's not an accident. 
everywhere he goes, the team is a contender. Yeah. And it's not just because he, not because the contender gets him, it's because he's there in a lot of ways. He's, because he's like the prototype for what I want a role player wing to look like. Yeah. In today's game. Yeah, I mean, you you can go back. He's kind of he's kind of their Iguodala. He's their defensive stopper. He's their versatile player. Plays every position, guards every position. You know, I talked a long time about having someone like Matt Barnes on a team. The value of having someone who's willing to fight, yes. hard foul, play great defense, rebound, rebound. Yep, and he um, I had someone else I was gonna say he was like, but. Uh, He's just one of those guys. He makes every team better. And you know what? Another big credit to him, a lot of 3 and D guys are, like, they're just three. Mm -hmm. And they they don't really capitalize when guys are flying out at them. Yeah. Crowder, even though he's really not a threat going to the basket, he still puts pressure on you when you close out, like, poorly on him. Yeah, he'll take drives. Yeah. He'll find an open guy. He'll draw a foul if you're not contesting the right way. Mm-hmm. He's, he keeps you honest. Yeah, even when he's not shooting the ball well. Yep, he'll go give a little finger roll or you know. Yeah, he's really good at getting into the paint and seeing somebody else. Yeah, he likes that. From the wing, he likes to get into the paint and hit the corner. Uh, yeah, he's good at that. He knows how to play. His dad played in the league, so he. Mm. You know, he got that talk about IQ. And that's another stark difference. Almost everyone on Phoenix has good IQ. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody. And that's so. and that's a credit to, like, a mix of CP and Monty Williams. Yep. Yep. And, just, and uh, it's a lot of not necessarily experienced NBA players, but experienced guys. You know, Bridges is a two-time college champion. Um, uh, Booker has played... You know, all over the world since he was a kid. Uh, Sarge obviously has the Euro game. Uh, I think Payne did a multiple years in college. So, you know, you got guys who have some high-level experience just playing a lot of basketball. Yeah. Um, and it's clearly rubbing off on the less experienced guys like Cam Johnson, uh, like some of the guys who haven't been playing and don't have as much experience. Yeah, because they come in there and they, they're they still a threat. Yep. Yep. Javon Carter, you know, those kind of guys, yeah. All right, let's move on to the East. Uh, Atlanta <laughs> lost in six games. Yep. A hard-fought series. Hard-fought series, another injury-damaged series. Yes. Uh... So Trey Young got hurt in game four. Yeah, right, right. after we, uh, right after our last episode, he got hurt. Yes, he got hurt in game four. Uh, they did still go on to win that game. No, no, no. It had think, to have been. No, he got hurt three, in then. game three game and three. finished it. Yeah, and then and they, they won they game four one. without him. Yep, and he came out game four. I mean, he didn't come out in game four. Hawks looked looked amazing. Top tier. Yeah, and Greek Freak got hurt in game four. Yes. But and Greek Freak got hurt in the second half. Yeah. That first half, the Hawks were flawless on both ends. Yep. 
even yeah. with Greek Freak there. So I I was just shocked at how great they were that first half. Yeah, they were just <laughs> they were hitting everything. And the thing is, it wasn't all threes. They were just attacking and just getting buckets. Everyone yeah. was getting buckets. Yeah, Collins, Gallinari. Yep. Yep. Um, so then game five comes around, and uh, Greek Freak isn't playing in this game. And <laughs> the Bucks looked like an all-time legendary team without him there. <laughs> and I, then, uh, well, go, go ahead. Go finish, finish. Let's let's recap what happened, and then we'll get into it. And then game game six comes around. Uh, Trey comes back, not still healthy. clearly not healthy. Greek Freak does not come back, and the Bucks finish it out nice and easily. Um, Trey had a bad fourth quarter. Yes, I won't say he choked, but the the end of the game was really ugly on Trey's part. So, uh, and and he was he was incredible the whole playoff run. So, yeah. like he was really bad, but it's his first playoff run. You know, I'm not surprised he was due for a bad night, even especially when you're not healthy. And he's yeah. a guy who clearly like he doesn't play, you know, injured very often, right. And he, it showed. Like I saw the frustration throughout the game, with him kind of leaving shots short or, or landing awkwardly every time he shot the ball. Yeah. And he would kind of yeah. land awkwardly on like drive attempts. So. And in generally for guards, it's hard to play on a bad ankle. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Being that small, he doesn't have a lot of weight on him, but being that small, playing bad ankles is not easy because your quickness is your biggest strength. And he didn't have it, at least you know not a hundred percent of it. So he, he could have done twenty eight and seven. He could have done better letting letting the team lose the game instead of I him, because the team I was agree. playing well in a lot of stretches. They were. I mean, they came back. Big if there's time. if there's a like a all like role player team throughout these playoffs, yeah, Gallinari's on it, hundred percent. For sure. We yeah. talked about Reggie Jackson being, like, scorching hot. Reggie Jackson at the one, Gallinari at the three. Gallinari was the right there to me. Yeah, he was. He was. I mean, yep. he just, they were just, they were killing it. What's crazy is what we criticized the Clippers for as far as, like, just randomly isoing Morris and killing the rhythm. Yeah. Atlanta did that with Gallinari a lot of times and looked better for it. Yeah. Like, they were just like, all right, we're moving the ball, but either they're defending us well or we're off. Gallinari, take take over. And, you know, Gallinari, one thing a lot of people who don't play basketball don't understand is that bad shots are all relative, right? A bad shot for Tony Snell is not, maybe isn't a bad shot for Gallinari. And Gallinari was taking a lot of a bad lot. shots for everybody else on the team. Yes. But they weren't bad shots for him. Exactly. He was, he was knocking them down. Yeah. I mean, again, he's another guy. I kept waiting, like, yo, like, there's no way he stays hot taking these contested, like, tough step backs. 
those lean he and he leans so far back on his shot. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it's, it. Yeah. He looks so washed. Just watching him get buckets, he looks washed. Yeah. And he's, he's still good. like they just couldn't stop him. Yep. Yep. Oh, okay. Man. But it positive was crazy. For each? Are you you good doing the positive for Atlanta, right? Yeah, let's go Atlanta first. Okay, go ahead. Atlanta is another team uh similar to the Clippers. They showed us that their depth is legit. Yeah. To me, I didn't and say this the Clippers age. Right. But I, I, I didn't say this for the Clippers, but I should have. But this team could keep exactly this same roster, assuming they could afford everybody that needs contracts. Mm-hmm. And to me, they should be a, a top-tier Eastern Conference team next year. Yeah, I agree. Because and, and the injuries kind of exposed some limitations of some of their guys. Mm-hmm. But never to the point where, and, and like you and a lot of other people were more critical of Bogdanovich. Yeah. But it was because he, to me, it was a lot of it was because he was playing more. Yeah, that's probably true. Because I, I, I don't mind him being a little out of control, little, you know, forcing shots when he's a sixth man or sixth, seventh man. Mm-hmm. When you're the starting two guard... You you're taking the ball away from your your best players when you're taking bad shots. Yeah, you're taking a shot someone else could be taking. Yeah, and and Gallinari never like forced his own isos when Trey Young was out there, or even like yeah. Collins was out there. Right. It's when like the full bench lineup was out there. Gallinari was like, all right, like Chris Dunn's out there. We're not moving the ball anyway. I- I'm a shoot. Yeah. Yep. And Bogdanovich also like had that same Paul George problem to where he never felt how the game was going yeah I agree but he's much younger than Paul George he's this is his first playoff run and again and, he's playing way more than he should be and I think it looked worse on Bogdanovich because the ball wasn't in his hands as much like Paul George is bringing the ball of court 80% of the time right. You know, he had the ball for 10, 15 seconds right. out of the shot clock, most possessions. Bogdanovich will catch it and just jack it. And, I mean, and I'm not saying that it's any worse, but I'm just saying it looked worse because every time you saw Bogdanovich catch the ball, he was shooting it. It yeah. felt like at times. Yeah. And he was also yeah. hurt. Yeah. You know, he, he And he looked hurt. He looked like he got a little bit healthier as the series progressed because his defense got a lot better. Yep. Uh, but again, like his misses were were wild. Like he missed every type of way. Yeah. Like his misses would be too strong, too short, way off, left or right. Like just go in and out. All types of misses. And he was another guy who was like clearly landing awkwardly on a lot of his shots. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I agree. Uh, what about what about you? What positives did you see from Atlanta? Um, they, their young guys are great, man. Okongwu, I love him. Yeah. I, I love his energy. I love his power. I like, he can hit free throws. He has touch I, around the basket. Great touch. He, he'll guard anybody, and he never looks afraid to guard people. He, he doesn't mind getting fouled. He just look, I mean, he didn't look like a rookie. 
He looked like he's been playing in the league for years. Yeah. And I, I didn't know he was on the Ball Brothers Chino Hills team, which oh, wow. makes them a lot less impressive because they had a really good center in high school. Because it was just two years ago. I remember because so, I've watched their highlights. I'm trying to like think back if I can remember him out there. But if they ever threw alley oop, it was probably yeah, probably damn, yeah. you know. Um. So yeah, man. He he blew my mind, and when Cam Reddish came back, it just it was just so clear that he was what they were missing, man. I thought I he, thought the Hawks would win when when he started playing well. I mean he he looked so good, and he was playing straps lockdown defense I mean he was getting so many deflections I was shocked he came out there and before he even found his touch he was getting steals like routinely yes yeah and most times guys it's the other way around they like to get hot on offense and then all of a sudden they make some something happen on defense he first thing he did was get deflections and get steals um so he looked amazing uh and I got to shout out Clint Capella's um, defensive IQ has. I said this off air too, big time. I mean, he he's. Uh, I don't see that much difference between him and Gobert, to be honest. As far as a defender, I. But I mean, he's, he's more mobile. He's more mobile, and he he won't win Defensive Player of the Year. Maybe he will next year, but I, they probably won't give him the nod. But he plays. Amazing defense, IQ wise, better defense than Gobert to me. Um, He's a good defensive captain, and like the the reason I don't think he will get a defensive player of the year is because a lot of times Atlanta collectively locks in. Yeah, and it's just hard to credit one guy when everybody's getting stops. Yep. So, yep. but I, I agree, man. He's been great. And Herder played great this the whole series. I think um, not the last game. Yeah, he he shot really bad the last game. But oh, overall, I liked he was aggressive. He was always a threat. Um, but he didn't surprise me as much as Reddish and Okongwu. And uh, also, I noticed. I know John Collins wants to get paid a lot this summer, but um, he needs Trey, or he needs someone like Trey. I don't really see him like going to another team. I, this isn't really a positive. This is just an observation. I don't see Collins going to another team and being as successful as he was this whole season, unless they have a guard that he that can really play off of him like Trey. Like I don't see him going with like Schroeder and immediately being uh, yeah. who he was all season. I I do think I agree to some extent, but I do think he showed flashes of like an improving skill set he did absolutely like he every game proved more and more that he not only could hit the threes but he could face up guys and shoot over them yeah i thought i thought the last couple games like he really didn't play that well but he was battling on the boards he was absolutely and and that to me that last game when he's like getting offensive rebounds over like three milwaukee guys yeah I was like, that's what I want to see. Like, that's that's what a winning player looks like. Yep. yep. He, from a young guy to see, like he, I thought throughout the series he was a, uh, he just attacked the glass. Yeah. Like recklessly in a lot of ways, but almost similar yep. to Zion. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and again, I, I agree that he's not really like he's not going to be a number one. I don't know if I'll ever see him as a number one. Mm-hmm. But he's a fire Robin. Yeah, he is. Especially Absolutely. with an elite guard like Trey. I if I'm Atlanta, I I don't mind overpaying him considering the chemistry he has with pretty much everybody on the team. Yeah, I I don't either. I'm saying from his perspective, right. he should be careful getting crazy with right, right. you know, saying, "Look, I need this, I need that or else I'll go here." Okay, go there. You're not going to be how you are with Trey. Yeah, I'm not I'm not destroying my depth to keep him. Right. Uh, and lastly, uh, I think that Atlanta full strength, I think, wins this series easily. Oh, if Hunter's there? If Hunter's there and if they had Reddish, like the full start, strength Reddish yeah. the whole time, yeah. I completely agree. So, um, Again, Bogdanovich would have been playing way less, and Hunter was, was great that first round. He was, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's what I got for Atlanta. Great. Um, Nate McMillan was a top-tier coach also since yeah, he, taking he over. Did, he did great. He did great. Actually, let me say one more thing about Reddish. Without the minutes restriction, they might have won the last two games. I mean, he had only a not Not game minute. five. I don't think they would have won game five. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, maybe not game five because they were crazy. Milwaukee was crazy yeah, game five. We'll get into that but, in a second. <laughs> <laughs> but Reddish, it, without his minutes restrictions, I think the last four games he played, yeah. or three maybe, I mean, they had it's a complete different Atlanta team if he can play the whole game, if he can play For 35 sure. minutes. So, yeah. All right, to Milwaukee. <clears throat> Milwaukee's <laughs> I, weird, man. Even my positives are negative for them, to be honest. I got to start with this, dude. You, you were... You were right about this for pretty much the entirety of the playoffs. Why did why did Greek Freak have to like almost ruin his career for Bobby Portis to start playing? <laughs> I said this all season, all year. <laughs> Bobby Portis came out and he was the best player on the floor. Bobby Portis looks like he's like like he's hungry, like he was just. Every every aspect of the game he was the most competitive in. Yeah. Like he took every shot like he was gonna drain it. He was all yeah. over the boards. He he was like he was great at finding open layups. He was yeah. defending well. He was sprinting every possession. Yeah. How do you not find minutes for for a guy like that? He was a center slash forward getting breakaway dunks. Like, Trip, like take it like one man fast breaks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was eating. Dude, I'm watching game five and I'm like I'm on the verge of yelling at the TV because Brooke Lopez was like up I mean he was great in game five, but yeah. prior to that he was like disgustingly bad. Yeah. And, and it's like Bobby Portis showed him how a good like a good role player <laughs> big man should play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Man. Honestly, Brooke Lopez getting off was a direct result of Bobby Portis playing like fire. I agree. It was. And like they're sitting there, like they're shocked that this is happening. 
I've, I've literally, even in the off season, I said, yo, if they play Bobby Portis, I don't know how they can be stopped. And then the first thing he does is bench Bobby Portis for like two, three quarters of the year. It's just, I don't get what, like, what did Bobby Portis do to not get playing time? <laughs> Probably punch somebody up. <laughs> <laughs> he had to have gotten to a fight with like either Giannis or because I know he looks like a guy who like the first practice of the year he's just like he's going like a thousand miles an hour you know what I mean like like he's fouling in walkthroughs and stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I hate it yeah. a lot of people a lot of players myself included I hated guys like that me too yeah but yeah, dude. This- it's soft scrimmage i'm hacking you you're not nothing easy yeah <laughs> yeah dude that i hated that but when they come when we're in the playoffs when we're getting deep trying to win a title yeah guys like that have to like pat bev you have to play guys like that yeah just just yeah. to fuel the rest of the team if anything and he did that i mean my god that, game five he had 22 Lopez had 33, Middleton had 26, and Holiday had 25. Like they had, it had four guys over 20 in the starting lineup. Finally, it's crazy. The big, the first big positive for Milwaukee out of this series is mm-hmm. they finally showed that they're a top tier roster in the league. Yep, not finally. just a team with a top tier player. Right, because yeah. the first two rounds. I you know they they did certain things well obviously because they're in the conference finals, mm-hmm. but I never saw a roster that's like a championship caliber roster, right? Just just off of the way they were playing, right? Conference finals was an entirely different story. It was even yep. before Greek Freak got hurt. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> what other positives did you see? Um. I like that, uh, and this I guess this this is still Bobby Portis, so Bobby Portis uh, positive, but that without Giannis, like Budenholzer knows what how he can win without Giannis as far as how they play, because like I think during the season if like Giannis fouled out or you know maybe he got hurt just mid-game or ejected or whatever for whatever reason if Giannis didn't finish the game and he fouled out a lot because of three charges a night right yeah or just foul trouble or just dumb fouls yeah it would it would look like Boonholzer would say okay well how do we just put another Giannis in there or like how do we keep doing what we did when Giannis was out there without him there and in these in the last two games, and even the the game before that, when he first got hurt, you could see where he kind of said, "Okay, well, no Giannis, let's just play completely differently," because like Lopez would never be in the paint as much as he was um, in those last two games when Giannis is there, like never. Because I said all season, my biggest issue is when they take a shot, no one is there to get rebounds. Nope. And when Greek Freak takes a jump shot, no one is there to get rebounds. And, the, and they're the biggest, they're probably the biggest top to bottom team in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then when he was out, and this is, uh, this is game five, the rebounding was crazy. Everyone was crashing. P- 
P.J. Tucker, 11 rebounds. Bobby Portis, 8 rebounds. Brooke Lopez, 7 rebounds. Chris Middleton, 13 rebounds. Drew Holiday, 6 rebounds. Like, that never happens when Giannis is there. Yep. So, um, I think one... That's my biggest takeaway for them is that when Giannis isn't there, he sees that they can crash. They can get second chance points. They rarely get second chance points when he's there. And this is like a tap dunk. That's really it. Sometimes Brooke gets a tap out every once in a while, but not really. Um, yeah, that's That was my biggest thing. They, they can rebound and they can play a completely different play style. They look like a completely different team when he's not there. Yeah. And it's still good, obviously. I have another big positive for the second half of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew Holiday finally proved my point of why they needed an upgrade over Bledsoe. Absolutely, he did. Because he was a top-tier player on both ends, and that's what yeah. I expected because I've seen it a lot from him. Yep. And he finally... I don't know if it's Giannis not being there, but like he started it even when Giannis was there. He did. He started like, it, yeah. Like, guys can't post him up. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, even bigs can't really post. Collins was afraid of going at him almost every time. He was. And it, it, yeah. it's not even, like, I, that's not a discredit to Collins. It's because Holiday was playing top-tier defense. Yeah. Similar to Torrey Craig. Yep. And that, to me, was the big difference. He played under control. He the quality of his shots improved. He was trying to get to the basket before he started taking step backs. That was huge. Yeah, the and quality would, of shots was huge. And he would allow like the team to create shots for him a lot more often. Yeah, that's something yeah. he didn't do in the Brooklyn series very often. Was like he felt a need to like expose somebody. Mm-hmm. I guess that's okay. The team is you don't have to do that if you're not shooting the ball well. Right, and that's a Bledsoe thing too, by the way. Right, and, and Holiday mm-hmm. just his experience finally started showing as the over the course of this series. It did, it did. The whole teams did. Yeah. In the second half of the Atlanta series, they looked like a, they looked like a team playing against a college team, to be honest. And I'm not saying that as like a negative to Atlanta because they are young, but they're a really good young team. But the maturity was just so different in those last three games. Yes. The, the, the game consistent energy for Milwaukee like, was just on another level. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, man. That still might be Bobby Portis. It might be. Yeah. I mean, how many times do they have someone that will scream into the stands, let's go, come on. Yeah. You know? Chris Middleton is quiet. <clears throat> Drew Holiday is a quiet dude. Yes. Pat they, Connaughton they says nothing. Fire. They need to find. Honestly, Giannis going out, his brother getting a chance to play like a couple minutes here and there, yeah, helped because he's another guy like that. Obviously, he's nowhere near like the Bobby Portis level of contribution, right? But he's another guy. If he gets a dunk or if he gets a shot, like he's he's heating up. He's fueling yeah, the rest yeah. of the team. Yeah, yeah. And and this is, I mean, this is slightly off topic, but this is exactly what I said Utah needed, what they're missing. Because, they, I mean, when they don't have that, they look like a team like Utah. Yep. Yeah, they're playing good. One person's playing good, but just everyone else is bad just... Bad shots after bad shots. and It's okay, because we hit them all year. Yeah, but everyone looks sleepy yes. if Spider's not eating, yes. you know? And, and that's kind of how they looked 
that game, Giannis got hurt. He looked sleepy for the rest of the game. Uh, but, you know, after that, everybody, everybody woke up for sure. And Pat Connaughton got a few less shots, which I liked. The shots that he did take were more open in those last two games. Um, Forbes is such a defensive liability, but when they have him out there as a shooting threat, he looks great. They just look like a really good team. Jeff Teague has some good minutes in the last game. Um, they're tough, man. They look tough. But when Giannis comes back, what's Budenholz are gonna do? That's the that's the big question, right? This is this is where I'm very nervous. Yeah. Because these two games showed me that this is how this team should be playing, with or without Giannis. Yep. And and I I have the perfect picture like watching these last two games. What's not happening is Giannis isn't getting the ball in a favorable position mm-hmm. and pulling it out, right. bringing it out to like attack a guy. This team never needs to play like that again. Nope. Like there's too much talent on this roster. They have, there's too much chemistry on this roster for Giannis to say, I'm going to just attack a guy. Right. Like, Middleton could do that. Yep. And get much better shots. Drew Holiday could do that and get much better shots. And yep. Middleton, and Drew not so much, but with Middleton, he knows that, like, I can't just, I can't just dominate the ball for extended time or with possession after possession. Right. Giannis doesn't have a feel for that. Yep. And that one that's one thing I love about Middleton being the go-to guy on this team is even when he's not shooting the ball poorly, the team's rhythm doesn't get destroyed. Right. And that's that was Giannis's probably biggest problem. Yeah, and and you know, one thing Bootenholzer really likes to force the four-out, one-in offense with him. And Giannis usually being the one-in. And that's, like I mentioned earlier, when Giannis comes out, he just moves Lopez to the one-in and puts in another guard, right? He puts, like, uh, Connaughton in to, as, like, the fourth guard out there. But um, there's no reason why this team isn't playing normal three-out, two-in. Like, they... they they have the best front court maybe in the playoffs with Giannis, Lopez, and Portis. This is no reason why they don't have a nice high-low play or a nice, you know, Giannis gets doubled kind of in the corner and Bobby Portis is there for a lob. There's no reason they don't have that. I mean, you saw all the lobs Lopez was catching. Yep. Lopez looked like Birdman out there, the good Birdman. So, I mean, it's... I'm nervous too because I don't know what Budenholzer does as far as that goes. I just it's clear it, he can play with two bigs. It but. shocked me that they they only played like this when Giannis goes out, like gets hurt. Because they didn't play like this when Giannis would sub out of games. No, that that's what I'm saying. I don't understand why when he subs out, he just says, "Let's try to keep doing what we've been doing with Giannis out there," but he's not out there. Yeah, and I think. You know what I think it is? I, I think they overestimate 
like how great Giannis is. Mm. And I'm not saying he's not. Obviously, he's a top five, top ten player. Yeah. But my thing is, he should never again ISO like a guard. No, he should not. Like he's a he's a big man with crazy versatility. Yeah. He's not he's not this pull the ball out and like try to play like he has no dribble package. Right. He he dribbles just because guys give him an insane amount of space. Yeah. I've never yeah. seen him make like an impressive dribble move to get past somebody. No. He's it, too wide. Exactly. It's it's a charge almost every time in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and to me, again, I worry because in the past, I question this team's collective IQ. Mm-hmm. I finally, like, I still, you're still taking maybe not great shots every possession, but I see the effort to try to get good shots. Yeah. In the past, like we talked about, they're perfectly comfortable being like Utah, just taking tough three after tough three. They got five of the biggest players on the court, and they're taking jumpers all time, to- all the whole time. Yeah, that's what like what freaks me out is that Giannis seems to be more of a problem for all that stuff than I thought. Mm-hmm. And I just again I worry, like you said, when he comes back, can they just bring him back to just fit with what they're doing right now? Right. And that's some of that is on Greek Freak to just slightly adjust. Yeah. It's not a big adjustment, I don't think. No, it, it really isn't. I mean, there's no reason why Greek Freak can't just seal somebody on the inside and catch a high-low pass from Bobby Porter's at the free throw line. Yes. You know? There's no reason why that's not, like, a already a play. We see Bobby Porter's and Brooke can shoot from all over the court, you know, at if you give him enough space and we see that no one can no one and probably in the league can touch where Giannis can touch like vertically yeah so there's no reason why he doesn't just catch passes inside why is he he doesn't need it at the top of the key never never again he will though they're gonna go right back to the side dude (laughs) I think they're gonna go right back I'm I'm gonna be furious the first size up three I see I'm gonna be screaming dude but It's like they, yes, they overestimate how good Giannis is, but they also underestimate just the simplicity of, like, who he is, of, like, what yes, he is. Yes, He's a fast, seven-foot, eight-foot, nine-foot reach guy, you know? And that's just, that's it. Use that. That's yep. all you have to say, and just use that. Yep. So, um, we will see. Uh, and it was the last game that Connaughton and Jeff Teague really played well in. But we'll see if he uses the depth. Um, I, I is one of those guys I think will get tight in this first game and say, you know, let's just do what we know, go back to what we know best. We're only going to play six guys, seven guys, and... You know, Giannis is going to be doing what he's been doing. We're going to have... I can't PJ watch Tucker that, the... dude. <laughs> I can't watch... That game one of the Hawks series, I can't watch that shit again. We're going to have P.J. Tucker at the three, at the four. You know, we're going to have... 
Brooke Lopez sitting in the corner or wing. If he's in the wing, he's three steps behind the line. Yeah. If he touches yeah. it on accident in the anywhere near the paint, it's a fate like a dirk fadeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I don't mind like what Brooke showed me is that I don't mind you taking tough shots when you get involved. Right. Your first shot shouldn't be a dirk step back or a a three pointer several feet behind the line. Right. You're too talented of a player. Yeah. And even before Giannis got hurt, they started finding success running pick and rolls with Giannis just rolling to the rim. Yeah. I'm like, it's it's that easy. Even with it Collins, who's, who's one of the few who can match Giannis bounce for bounce, mm-hmm. Collins couldn't do anything about their lob threat. Nope. Even Capella, who's one of the better lob preventers in the league... Couldn't do anything mm-hmm. with their lob threat. Yeah, like he, he, it's just crazy, man. You know, one thing that it, this is, you know, I, I have a lot of uh, random thoughts when we talk sometimes. But one thing that makes Kerr actually a really good coach to me, Kerr can be like one of those coaches who like steals other coaches' powers. Yes, to me, because Kerr would if. If Kerr was in the playoffs right now and they played Atlanta and they squeaked by him, the next game they'd be throwing lobs. Every they'd have like two pick and lob plays immediately because they'd say, "Oh, Atlanta beat us three games or two games doing this, so we're never gonna let anyone beat us, and we're gonna take this yeah. and beat somebody else with that." Knowing Draymond, there'd be five turnovers trying to get lobs. <laughs> yeah, but they'd have it in their arsenal. Right. And Budenholzer seemingly did that. But will he keep that? I'm very skeptical. Lopez had how many dunks? It was like the most dunks of his whole career in that game. Five, yeah, in game, game five. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm watching him get layups and dunks, and I'm like, wow, I don't see this often. And that just pisses me off. Yeah. Because, like... Aiton, everybody knows Aiton's going to be no no further than 5, 10 feet from the basket, and he's getting layups and dunks routinely. Yeah. Uh, Milwaukee has the tools to make that happen. Yep. And they don't. Yep. But Giannis gets to do, like, anything out there. And the thing is, this is Brooke Lopez that's catching alley-oops and dunks. It's not even, like, a high jumper. It's not like... Capella, Gobert, or um, Collins, it's Brooke Lopez. Right. And he's catching alley-oops. So how, if you can do that, how do you not do that every time? So he's going to figure it out, though, it, how to not, not do it. Their their recipe for success is it's time to reel Giannis in. We don't need it you is. to be an all-around superstar and, and show and expose your weaknesses. Like, we don't have to play to your weaknesses we, or yeah. we don't have to rather force your weaknesses as if they're like a part of the offense first first quarter I'd have Giannis Giannis needs to give me six post ups with the ball and I, I want six shots Yep. and after I'd, that I'd take six missed hooks absolutely because then after that I'm putting Forbes out there 
I'm putting Connaughton out there, and I want Giannis to look outside every time he catches it. Yep. And then we're crashing. If you As soon as Forbes gets the ball, everyone should be running at the basket. Or Connaughton, just run to the basket. Yep. You know they're shooting. Connaughton, that's the one thing I like about him is his rebounding. Absolutely. When he when he's in the paint getting them. Yeah. He often when he goes to the paint, he often gets them. Yeah, he does. But, but because he's a a three point specialist <laughs> according yeah. according to the Milwaukee Bucks, not according and, to anybody that watches the games. And uh, apparently, you know, when Giannis is there, no one else is allowed in the paint. Like it's Right. Because Giannis it's is already all, taking up too much space with yeah, those like right-to-left spins or left-to-right spins. Yeah, but uh, even I'm saying for some reason when he's there, they don't even crash. They just get yeah, back because, yeah. like, if Giannis takes it, it's over. And even the – let's see, this is game six. Again, with the rebounds, PJ, eight, Bobby, nine, Brooke, six, Holiday, nine, Pat Connaughton, eight. I mean – Eight rebounds off the bench. And, and that, that tells me everybody is getting in the paint. Yeah. And Giannis keeps everyone out of the paint. So will he be able to just slide to the side while other guys crash? And, and or to, In my opinion, Giannis should be the first one back if I'm coaching. Because he's the longest defender for yeah. a fast break. I would want him stopping and not Holiday. Yeah. So... It's uh, again. I don't know if it's fifty-fifty, but the by far more pressure in this final series on anybody is Budenholzer and Giannis to to figure out how to fit this championship caliber roster. Yes, we'll see if Giannis. We'll see what kind of leader Giannis is, right? Yes. Because the best leaders, in my opinion, have been the ones that when they're not playing well or the. The game doesn't fit them. They adjust and they take a back seat. They do something else. They make an impact somewhere else. I always go back to Kobe in the finals against the Celtics. Shot like complete 18 garbage. Rebounds. 18 rebounds. I'm 6'7". I don't care if I'm shooting bad. We're winning this game. Yep. Um, Greek Freak, if you're not playing well, give me 18 assists. Yep. This You can do it on this team. I don't want you to have 40 and have... And miss 20 shots. Or he, miss 15 really, free throws. Unless he's taken off on a fast break. In half-court sets, like, does he really need to dribble more than two, three times? No. no. Not at all. No. It, that, that's an indictment to me on Budenholzer and Holiday if he ever takes more than three dribbles. It's unnecessary. And if he drives, if he gets to the paint, he gets stopped at all. Somebody should be wide open. He should get an assist. It, to me. Because they always take another guy to get help. And everyone on the team can shoot. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens, man. Um, I do have any... some negatives just from this series specifically. Okay. Okay. For the Bucks. Yeah. Okay. Defense is still not as good as it should be to me. Okay. Uh, Tell me more. I, I just think like Holiday kind of covered for a lot of the the overall team issues. Yeah. But these like Brooke Lo- I mentioned with Aiton being incredible in pick and rolls. Brooke, it it hurts to watch Brooke Lopez try to contain pick and rolls. 
Another credit to Bobby yeah. Portis because a few times he did it, he looked way better. Yeah. Uh, but Brooke Lopez, and like, and I hate this about Brooke Lopez. Like, when he needs to get a bucket, he'll show, like, mobility and IQ and, and, like, whatever it takes to get a bucket. He has that really nice sweep-through jab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the spin. Yeah, yeah. It's, it goes in every time. Oh, it's yeah. unstoppable. He's got, he's got a ton of skills as an offensive player. Yeah. yeah. But People when, forget he, but when, how he was in Brooklyn. He was the best center in the league. When guys come off a screen and the guard gets caught, so now Brooke has to contain. Yeah. I mean, it, it almost looks like his knees are wobbling. He's so scared. <laughs> yeah, it does. He gives, like, he gives guys who are shooters, like, several feet of space. Yeah. Or he'll just close out and, like, completely let guys go straight past him. Yep, or foul Right. It's a lot of the Gobert. It's you're not mobile enough, but you're not committing to any of the options to at least take something away. He doesn't even force them back, you know. No, he doesn't. He doesn't even, like, hard hedge so they go back on the screen. Yeah, so they can recover. Like, he just opens up. He, like, he just gets... It's like they're trying to get him on an island, and he, like, he'll gladly jump in on the island... But then he wants no part of it. Yeah, yeah. So that's he looks like weird. he's walking on like a uh, wooden bridge too. Yeah. And other than Holiday, like Middleton should have more of an impact defensively than he does. Right. And, and you know, PJ Tucker is kind of tough when Gallinari's hitting everything contested. Yeah. But you still so much taller than him too. Right. So much but bigger. but they they let Gallinari get to like good spots. Mm-hmm. That was my problem. Is Gallinari's been feeling it the whole series, and you're letting him like run shit comfortably. Who who does uh, PJ match up to in this series, Booker or Crowder? I think Booker. Okay. You put uh, Middleton on Crowder, but but I don't mind. Like they usually, uh, Tucker's the primary guy to take the assignment. And Middleton's like the the secondary guy. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. I like I that Tucker too. is like the first, but they don't mind him the switch because yeah. a lot of times the switch is to someone else who plays good defense. Yeah, Holiday and Middleton get the switches, which is cool. <clears throat> and again, like you like, I just I don't like that Giannis had to almost tear his knee up for this team to realize that they should they have the best inside presence top to bottom in the league. Yeah, that that's to me is that that just makes Mike Budenholzer look so much worse. Yeah, it does. Uh, and, and the other thing is, and I told you about this later at the end of the series. Middleton has some of the similar Paul George problems, mm-hmm. where like he, he'll get mismatches and he'll still take really tough shots. Yeah, all, I, I all hate when he takes those. I hate when he takes those hand in hand in the face yeah. threes. Yes. Yeah. And he's like the, the the Bucks covered for him better, and they're better as a team than the Clippers are, especially without mm-hmm. Kawhi. Mm-hmm. But again, like Middleton, there was a, a lot of stretches where he's just missing, 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 and there's no adjustment. Right. So that that was to me a big problem, and I think Phoenix. 
with their discipline capitalizes on that weakness if if it starts to happen again. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that's really as far as like really we- weaknesses that I don't know if they could overcome. I mean, I still I still don't like Connaughton being the sixth man. Yeah, it's tough. It just it doesn't look good. It, it well the thing is now Portis would be six man, right? Again, why? Oh, Giannis had to almost <laughs> lose a year for us for the team to realize. It's <laughs> it's so infuriating. Yeah, it Forbes doesn't really guard well, but Forbes is. I mean, I think Forbes has kind of established himself as like the best just straight-up shooter on the team. And, and they play him, like, just, like, not enough for his defensive issues to, like, be a problem. Yeah. So it works well yeah. for them. But also sometimes not enough for him to really get in a shooting rhythm, too, yeah. which sucks. But that's, like, uh, that's... I'm not mad at that because... Yeah, I, I'm He's not, not like... He doesn't make or break their bench. Right. So, uh... Yeah, Greek Freak's going to come in and Portis will be moved. Or P.J. Tucker could be moved to the bench. I don't know. That, that would be ballsy, but I, I, I would love it. I agree. I want to see yeah. what that looks like, them starting out just big. Yeah. It's it's tough because but it's just, who, plays, it's just... who plays on the outside, Portis or Lopez? Because not Greek Freak, right? Because then they have no real true like floor spacing because every because they'll just back off of Greek Freak as far as like him uh, you're not going to like yeah. deny Greek Freak yeah so. they, they can't start that lineup that, now that I think about it but uh, I don't mind maybe not start it but throw it out there at like a random point early on yeah, just they- to see because Phoenix Phoenix hasn't truly been tested inside Right, which pisses, which makes me mad about the fucking Lakers. But mm-hmm. uh, like Phoenix never really got like truly challenged by more than one or two guys. Right. It was it was AD in the first round, and then it yep. was only Jokic in the second round, and then the Clippers. I mean, Cousins for two minutes doesn't count. Yeah, and this is this is that moment where, uh, like I mentioned with uh, Ty Lue. This is the moment where Budenholzer can establish, are we going to play like them or do they have to adjust to us? Because for me, I'd make Bridges have to guard one of those guys. Oh, 100%. I'm not, not letting Bridges or I'm not letting Bridges or Crowder, it probably won't be Crowder, but I'm not letting somebody just sleep on offense by guarding P.J. Tucker in the corner and just doing nothing. You know, I mean, sleep on defense, yeah, I mean, yeah. by guarding P.J. Tucker in the corner 100%. and doing nothing. So if I would start Greek Freak there and say, look, uh, Mikael Bridges, you got to man up and guard one of these men that we have, you know? But he won't do that. <laughs> I have no confidence in Budenholzer being creative, to, to be honest. Yeah. Again, this series, honestly, man, as far as like previewing the finals, mm-hmm. they match, the Milwaukee matches up like flawlessly with Phoenix yeah like just defensively they have a matchup for every threat that Phoenix has yeah uh, 
the problem again is ju- it just comes down to Greek Freak fitting the team now. Yep. And it's it, uh, it's up to Budenholzer to me. Yeah, I, I think that um, as far as starting five, Milwaukee has starting six. Milwaukee has the clearly more elite team. Yeah. But Phoenix has, but Phoenix has the two best players in the series, in my opinion. Mm. I mean, Giannis is good, but he so far in this in the playoffs. No, I'm with you. Booker and CP have been the two best players. I'm with you. Aiton, Aiton's like 2B. Yeah, he is. He's been, yeah. He hasn't been like the maybe, third guy. He's been like just fighting for the being the second guy. Maybe uh, Booker and Aiton combined makes the second, is right. the second best player. Yeah. Aiton makes up for Booker's limitations in a lot of ways. Right. So how they, how they combat that is, is going to be interesting. But again, like where I worry with their defense is even though on paper it sounds good. Yeah. Go round by round. They let every team eat to some extent. You're talking about Milwaukee. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you come that, out. You, that's my problem. The fact that you come out in a, against Atlanta first game and, and like just let Trey Young beat you. Yeah. That's literally like that's the last resort strategy I would have if I'm playing Atlanta. Right. Same thing with K- KD. Like, yeah. like, Tucker is a good defender. He's not a KD stopper. No, he's not. And he's not. it's every round, you know, first round not so much because Miami is – Jimmy Butler was nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. And Bam was just awful. Yeah. But the, these last two rounds when they're playing real contenders – and just to focus on this Atlanta series, like a lot of guys got to eat. Yeah, you Lou Will starts, and and you're not even guarding him. Yep. Yeah, like forget forget Gallinari hitting tough shots. Forget Trey Young being great because both of those things could happen. Mm-hmm. If Bogdanovich didn't like, he got good shots often. Yeah, he just didn't shoot it well. Yep. Collins was getting great shots often. Huerter, great shots often. Capella, lobs, layups often. There were so many times when one Atlanta player, not the last couple games, but early on, one Atlanta player out-rebounding multiple Milwaukee players. Yep. It, it's little things like that that, again, Phoenix is better than these other teams and they will expose you if you're if you're making mistakes like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, with that being said, who you got first game tonight? I'm gonna say Milwaukee. Giannis is not playing Milwaukee. Is he ruled out for yeah. game one? Or, uh, or he's like doubtful. Okay, you're gonna go with Milwaukee. Okay. Yeah. They're riding. You want to call it a series? I I want to know when Giannis gets back before I call the series. <laughs> assume, let's assume he comes back game three, first game in Milwaukee. Milwaukee is the first seven. game in Milwaukee. I don't know who has home court. I didn't check. I think they said. I think they said Milwaukee. Uh, if is if game three, Giannis so. misses the first two games, Milwaukee in seven. 
Mm, okay. So you think, think Milwaukee can beat them four out of five times? I'm going to be honest. Even if he comes back next game, I, I think I'm picking Milwaukee at seven. Seven? Okay. Okay. I'll say Milwaukee in... I'll say Milwaukee is six. I think it's going to be very similar to the Atlanta series. Uh, I think that um, CP, I think they'll Phoenix will win the first game, and then I think they'll probably like alternate in the next two games, and then Milwaukee wins two in a row at the end. It just like I, I'm thinking about it, and like campaign got to eat the last couple rounds. Yeah, and Milwaukee like is is. Uh, undisciplined enough to let a guy like campaign get off how how come <laughs> how come uh Budenholzer never plays like a backup point guard unless they're like really blowing somebody out that's the only time teague ever gets in i don't but, know and i'm not saying it just because of teague i'm just saying in general he just will play with no point guard before he puts in yeah he didn't even he didn't even give dj augustine a chance to like show that he doesn't fit none at all he didn't no give bobby portis a chance until again greek freak almost had to miss a year and bobby portis was fitting most of the season i know every time me, when he, he when we saw out. him play he looked great yeah yeah <laughs> i don't i don't know so i thought teague played really good in the last game against atlanta i think he has a chance to really play um i would like to see teague on pain that's, he's that's he's not going to let Payne just goof off the whole game. Right. So, you know, Teague, if there's one thing that I trust Teague about, he doesn't like getting, like, embarrassed. And campaign likes to embarrass people. Yeah. So I, I would bet on Jeff Teague there as far as backups. He won't outscore Payne, but he's not going to let Payne just And, and Milwaukee should time. do a better job of making campaign play defense. Like, Oh, often. yeah, they will. Which the Clippers kind of didn't do, surprisingly. Because Beverly is just a... Not good. He's a rest for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's one thing. They cannot let P.J. Tucker be a rest. They can't let someone rest on P.J. Tucker. They just can't do it. Because anyone, pretty much, on Phoenix who gets rest can turn around and give you crazy buckets. Yeah. So. All right. Um... You want? Is there anything else you want to talk about tonight? We can, or you want to save it for the next time? Uh, no, we'll be back. We'll we'll be going uh, game to game. Little recaps of, of what's going on, how the series is going. Yeah, we will. We will audio only. We're not going to do video every time. Yeah, because that'll be short. But uh, make sure you subscribe on Spotify, Apple, whatever you listen to your podcast too, because that's will. We'll have our game recaps. Yeah, and and when this series does end, you know, we'll be done with basketball outside of, like, the draft and stuff. Yeah, uh, but, season trades, right, stuff right. like that. But we'll be getting back into music a lot more. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We're going to have we, a lot of stuff. To we got, like, about. a whole – we're going to have to have, like, a whole music episode moving forward. Yeah, you know I'm down with that for sure. Yep. All right, uh, as always, thank you for listening. Subscribe. Game recaps coming soon. And we'll see you guys next time.